The world's least victimized victim, Colin Kaepernick, turns on the adoptive parents who raised him. Democrats attack journalists Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger for revealing the Twitter files. And Joe Biden unleashes his nearly $7 trillion budget proposal. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All right, so Colin Kaepernick, according to our mainstream legacy media, he's one of the great victims of our society. Sure, he was a formerly successful quarterback who then started to not be very good, and then he got benched, and then he decided after being benched that America was a terrible racist place, and he started kneeling on the sidelines in order to protest supposed police brutality, and he became a cause celeb because he couldn't latch on with any other team despite the NFL doing its very best to try and force another team to take him. And then he ended up on the cover of Multiple Sports Illustrated, and he ended up with a giant deal from Nike talking about how you have to kneel for something so that you'll stand for something and, and all the rest of this stuff. And he made millions of dollars off of being a racial protester. Well, now Colin Kaepernick has gone one step further, and it is emblematic of where we are in American society, what Colin Kaepernick has now done. Essentially, all victimology turns into, at a certain point, being Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. All victimology turns into it. It turns into disrespect for your parents, disrespect for the past, an attempt to separate off from your parents, from the past, to rip everyone who came before you, to make yourself the only pure human being. So the reason this is relevant is because yesterday, Colin Kaepernick decided that he was going to just start crapping publicly on his white adoptive parents. To understand how perverse this is, you have to understand that Colin Kaepernick was, again, adopted. Hey, he, he was born of a, apparently a black American whose identity remains unknown to this day, that is his birth father, and a 19-year-old white woman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, named Heidi Russo. And his mom, to her great credit, had the baby, and then also to her credit, put the baby up for adoption. And he was adopted, was Colin Kaepernick, by a white couple named Rick and Teresa Kaepernick. And the couple already had a couple of biological children. And the reason they decided to adopt Colin is because they had lost two other sons to heart defects, apparently. And his parents guided him through youth. He had a pretty nice background, pretty privileged background, economically speaking. He ended up playing sports and, of course, all the rest. Well, now Colin Kaepernick has decided that his parents are perpetuating racism. His parents are bad. The utter ingratitude and, and soul sickness that has to be attendant on you, the child of an adoptive couple, who made you successful, who gave you opportunity, who brought you into a new world where you were able to thrive, flourish, become an NFL player, which is, by the way, not an inexpensive thing. Okay, to actually end up playing in the NFL, that usually requires that you, you know, go out and become part of a league. It requires that your parents travel for you. It requires all sorts of sacrifices that your parents made aside from the normal parenting sacrifices, which again, Adoptive parents make heroic sacrifices to even take someone else's child and raise that child as their own. Adoption is an act of tremendous charity. To then turn around and crap on your own parents publicly on CBS is one of the great acts of, of ingratitude, honestly, I've seen, except that it's mirrored by so many people in our society who basically say that all of the traditions of the past are bad, all of the wisdom of their grandparents, are bad, their parents are stupid, their grandparents are stupid, all of society is stupid, and they are the only good ones. She's an ungrateful, spoiled, rather disgusting generation that looks to its own parents and violates one of the fundamental bases of, I think, all human civilization, honor your father and mother. And the Ten Commandments says honor your father and mother for a very good reason, because peoples that tend to honor their ancestors are also people who have a future. Peoples that do not honor their ancestors as a traditional matter tend not to have a, a future at all. And that's particularly true, again, when you've been given pretty much everything by your adoptive parents. So here is Colin Kaepernick, who's he's been out of the headlines for a while. 
You remember that he was asked by the NFL to do a workout for a bunch of other teams and, and he didn't even show up to the workout. And then every so often he releases a video of himself throwing a football and he's like, why won't someone pick me up? Here he was on CBS Chicago talking about how he had a problematic household. He has an upcoming graphic novel titled Change the Game. This comes after his pathetic Anna DuVernay directed or produced documentary on Netflix in which he likened going to the NFL combine to an actual slave auction. Because as we all know, during a slave auction, the slaves ended up being employed to the tune of millions of dollars and made into national heroes, the slaves, right? I mean, it's exactly the same. The NFL combine, slave auction, one of the, I mean, if you actually watch the clip from Netflix, that's exactly what it is. He literally morphs an image from the NFL combine into an image from the slave auction. That's who Colin Kaepernick is. The most graceless, non-victimized victim of all time, except again for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who are an actual prince and princess claiming victimhood. Okay, so he, uh, he went on CBS Mornings to promote his crappy new graphic novel. And here's what he said. Growing up, I was a, I think still am a pretty introverted person. I hope it's true to form. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how I navigate the world. It's his true high school coming of age story. His journey embracing his blackness, despite resistance from many, including his white adoptive parents. I know my parents love me, but there were still very problematic things that I went through. I think it was important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home and how we move forward collectively while addressing the racism that is being perpetuated. He's getting what roles, his mom asked? Oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. Your mom become. said that to you. Yeah. And those become spaces where it's like, okay, how do I navigate this situation now? But it also is informed why I have my hair long today. So... His mother is apparently a terrible person because she told him that he shouldn't wear his hair like Alan Iverson in the impression that people might have a bad impression of him. It, it, so he's now writing graphic novels about how terrible his own parents are. And then he's going to national television to publicize how terrible his parents are. And again, this is emblem. It, Colin Kaepernick is a stand in for an entire generation of people who think this way about their parents. An entire ideology that suggests that this is really what we should do is we should dissociate from our own parents and we should rip our own parents publicly. It's not unique to Colin Kaepernick, as we'll get to in a second. It also happens to be an absolutely obvious profit-seeking move from Colin Ka As per usual arrangement, it's social justice in the name of bucks for Colin Kaepernick. Get to that in a moment. Speaking of dollars and cents, you shouldn't be spending too much for your cell phone coverage. It's just that simple. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, simple fact of the matter is that you're spending too much money. Pure Talk will save the average family over $900 a year when they switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. That is correct. You can save $900 a year on your wireless bill. Still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. Get unlimited talk, text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love your service. They're backing it up with 100% money-back guarantee. Stop paying a fortune to Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Cut your bill in half with Pure Talk. Their U.S.-based customer service team it makes the switch super simple. Switch on over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Your first month is guaranteed risk-free. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro to save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is indeed Simply Smarter Wireless. I switched all of my business calls over to Pure Talk. It's super simple to do. It'll save you money. It'll save you time. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% on your very first month of coverage. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it 
to Cars for Kids. You know, Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS, K-A-R-S, you know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org slash Ben. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars of the K, the number four, at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. Okay, so again, to understand what Colin Kaepernick is doing, I think what you first have to understand is that Colin Kaepernick's adoptive parents have basically stood behind him every step of the way, even when they disagreed with him. So there's pretty good evidence that his parents were not big on the kneeling protest, but it doesn't matter because apparently Teresa and Rick, his adoptive parents, wrote the following regarding the quarterback, quote, Colin is carrying a heavy load. He's following a difficult path he truly believes in. He's putting his entire future and possibly his life on the line for those beliefs. As his parents, it pains us to read articles and tweets saying his family does not support him. This could not be further from the truth. We want people to know we are very proud of our son and admire his strength and courage in kneeling for the rights of others. Right? That's what they had to say when he was kneeling, even though there's fairly good evidence from sort of the inside that they were not in agreement with his generalized message. Of course, they stood by their son because he is, in fact, their son. Okay? And of course, here is Colin Kaepernick with his mom circa 2016, being very warm toward his mother on public. You don't see this sort of stuff anymore very often. You have a family that you love, but you know you don't look like. And at a young age, you don't, I understood that was different. I didn't understand what that meant. So as I got older, it was something that developed. And as my identity developed and my place in society and my understanding of that developed, um, my parents and my family had to develop as well. And I think that's just been a constant journey for us. But it's been one that we've worked through and we've always been very loving in the process. And, you know, I wouldn't do it with anybody else. Okay, those last few lines are the key, right? Every teenager, every young adult experiences gaps with their parents. This is a normal part of of aging into adulthood. But do you navigate that with love and with understanding? Or do you write a graphic novel about how terrible your parents were because they once said something that you didn't like when you were 13 years old? By the way, again, there's a far cry from Colin Kaepernick circa 2013 when he was putting out Instagram messages congratulating his parents and actually saying quite nice things about them. Quote, happy anniversary to my parents. It amazes me that you've been together since you were 14 and married for 38 years now. I didn't ask the Lord for a perfect example, but he gave it to me anyways. I love you both with all my heart. That's when Colin Kaepernick was a good person. That is before the activists took over Colin Kaepernick's life. And again, there is something to this that is broader and deeper. You'll recall when Barack Obama, when he was running for president in 2008, The Jeremiah Wright scandal came out. The fact that the president of the United States, then senator from Illinois, that he sat in the pews of an overt racist and anti-Semite for literally 20 years and then named his book The Audacity of Hope after a speech given by Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Jeremiah Wright is a kook and a nut and a wild-eyed conspiracy theorist. And Barack Obama sat in his pews for literally two decades and apparently never noticed. It was just, it was all a surprise to him. And then he had to give a major speech, you recall, talking about why he had sat in the pews and making some excuses quasi for, for Jeremiah Wright. And there was one part of the speech where he went out of his way to slap the people who raised him. Because if you remember Barack Obama's story, it's quasi similar to Colin Kaepernick's in the sense that he had a father who did not raise him, black father did not raise him, and he had a white mother. 
And then the people who actually raised him were his maternal grandparents. His maternal grandparents actually raised Barack Obama. And you'll recall, going all the way back to 2008 and 2008 race, Barack Obama made a statement in his speech where he said, I can no more disown Jeremiah Wright than I can my white grandmother, a woman who helped raise me, a woman who sacrificed again and again for me, a woman who loves me as much as she loves anything in the world, but a woman who once confessed her fear of black men who passed her on the street and who on more than one occasion has uttered racial or ethnic stereotypes that made me cringe. And this basic notion that I am perfect and my parents are terrible, and that's an excuse for me to have made the overt choice as an adult to sit in the pews of Jeremiah Wright is because my white grandmother, who spent all this time and effort on me, she actually, you know, she had some bad things about her. And those bad things about her, now that kind of makes her the same as me as an adult making bad decisions to opt into sitting in the pews of an overt racist and anti-Semite. That was Barack Obama's take in 2008. And in the end, it's all self-justificatory. That's all it is. It is Colin Kaepernick deciding that he has a thing to push. And the thing he has to push means that he can run roughshod over his parents. There is something really disgustingly perverse, again, about a culture that urges people to throw their parents under the bus. And when I say urges, I mean that this is like a real thing. If you go on, on TikTok these days, if you go on the TikToks with the Utes, what you will find on TikTok is a bunch of videos, for example, of LGBTQ educators telling small children, we will be your parents. Dissociate from your parents. Your parents want the worst for you. Your parents are going to be upset with you. Your, par your parents don't like you. Your par don't navigate problems with your parents. Don't attempt to negotiate with your parents. Don't maybe listen to the wisdom of your parents. Maybe think that maybe they have something to teach you. Instead, what you really should do is you should rip on your parents. That, that is the most important thing. Just leave them. Stay away from your parents. Any movement that urges you to disrespect your parents and divide yourself off from your parents is a bad movement by definition. Use that as a rubric. Any movement that tells you that overt disrespect for your parents, as your parents, not disagreement, you're allowed to disagree with your parents, but overt disrespect attempts to humiliate your parents unless they are full-on abusive, that any attempts to do that are good and that you have sort of a, a, an added credibility in doing that, that is a bad movement that is essentially a cult. We become a very cultic country and a very cultic civilization in which you are taken away from your father and mother by perverse ideologies and you're morphed into a widget on behalf of those new ideologies. And it really is a sickness. And it is a great evil that has descended upon civilization when people take into their hearts the idea that your job as a human, part of your job, is to not only define yourself and contradistinctions to your parents without taking any of their wisdom, but to overtly then attack the people who raised you. Something really bad about that. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to a, a fantastic hearing on the Hill in which Democrats kind of showed that um, democracy dies in darkness and all of that. First, let's talk about spiritual values. Now, the fact is that, as I've been saying, I think that the West has, has lost a lot of the spirituality that made us great. Well, if you wish to regain some of that spirituality, reconnect with something higher, then you should probably take a dose of hallow. Just like physical exercise, daily spiritual exercise is critical to your well-being. Hallow will help you maintain a daily prayer routine. It's filled with studies, meditations, and reflections that are rooted in Judeo-Christian prayer practices. You can pray alongside Mark Wahlberg or Jim Caviezel and even some world-class athletes. You can also access the number one Christian podcast in the land, The Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz on Hallow. Now, I'm not somebody who obviously partakes in Lent, but it's a powerful spiritual time for a lot of Christians to abstain from luxuries and more deeply embrace their faith. I've always encouraged Christians to more deeply engage with their faith. I think that a faith-based society is going to be a lot more robust and healthy than a non-faith-based society. I think you as a person are going to be a lot happier and more fulfilled if you engage with your faith. Try Hallow for three months free at hallow.com slash Shapiro. Again, that's hallow.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Try it for three months for free. Hallow.com slash Shapiro. Okay. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep Mattress for years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. 
Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix sleep mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. They're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro house. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HELIXPARTNER25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HELIXPARTNER25 with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. So, meanwhile, Democrats on the Hill have uh, decided that they are now going to attack the free press in order to get Elon Musk. So the Republicans who just, just took over the House, they launched what, what was called a weaponization of the federal government subcommittee. It was a House Judiciary subcommittee. And the subcommittee is designed and aimed at uncovering the perversions that were pursued in the first years of the Biden administration and also in the last years of the Trump administration, actually, by big tech being pressured by, for example, the FBI in order to shut down particular messages. And we know about a lot of that stuff from the Twitter files, where it was very obvious that there was hand-in-glove movement between the FBI and places like Twitter. We already know that the FBI was putting pressure on places like Facebook to take down particular material, including the Hunter Biden laptop story in October of 2020. So Republicans hosted, as a couple of the witnesses, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. Both of them have been guests on the program. They're also the journalists who revealed some of the tranches of the Twitter files. Representative Jim Jordan led off by charging that the government built a cozy relationship with big tech and, of course, talked about the Hunter Biden story. And this led the Democrats not to suggest in bipartisan fashion, well, yeah, we probably shouldn't have the militarization of big tech on behalf of the government, which is what you would have expected to hear from the left during, for example, the Patriot Act era. If this, if this hearing happens in 2006, probably the roles are reversed. But here you have the Democrats overtly attempting to violate basic rules of journalism, attack the journalists as enemies of the people. It really was an astonishing sight. So, for example, you had Texas Democrat Representative Sylvia Garcia demanding, demanding that these journalists, Taibbi and Schellenberger, expose that it was Elon Musk as the direct source for the Twitter files. Now, listen, obviously, Elon Musk had to be invested in, in revealing these tranches of files to these journalists because they got the files. They're from Twitter somebody from Musk's team or somebody around Musk. But the idea here is that when when they, for the Democrats, that if Elon Musk gave the files, as we will see, this is the line they pursue. If Elon Musk made these files public, then Elon Musk is the villain. Now, this falls very much in line with the idea that Kevin McCarthy is the villain for revealing 41,000 hours of footage of January 6th to Tucker Carlson. The problem isn't the coverage. The problem isn't the lack of transparency in the first place. The problem is the revelation. So here you have Sylvia Garcia attempting to cudgel these journalists into revealing their sources. When was the first time that Mr. Musk approached you about writing uh, uh, the Twitter files? Again, Congresswoman, that would... Uh, I just need a date, sir. But I can't give it to you, unfortunately, because this, this is a question of sourcing, and I don't give up. I'm it's a journalist. A, I don't reveal my sources. It's a question of chronology. So you're not going to tell us when Musk first approached you? Again, Congresswoman, so you're asking me to yes you're no. asking a journalist to reveal so a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this? 
No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I I, I, well, I just can't answer your question. Well, it either is or he isn't. If you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that only logical conclusion is that he is in fact your source. Well, you're free to conclude that. <laughs> it's just it's amazing. Like the, under no other circumstance, if a Republican were doing this to a Democratic witness. The media would be all over, right? The media would be telling you that this is a violation of First Amendment freedoms. This is an attack on the freedom of the press. But these attacks were nonstop yesterday during this hearing. Really astonishing stuff. So you had Representative Stacey Plaskett, who's a ranking member there from, I believe, the Virgin Islands, referring to Taibbi and Schellenberger as, quote unquote, so-called journalists, because real journalists are people who work for the Democrats, obviously. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. Again, so-called journalists. So uh, eventually, Taibbi had a chance to fire back. It was amazing. One of the things that's amazing about watching congressional hearings is watching how obnoxious and gross so many of our elected officials are. As we'll see when we get to Debbie Wasserman Schultz in a second, one of their favorite games is they say, I reclaim my time. So they, they'll, they won't ask the witness a question. They'll make an accusation. And then if the witness starts to say, I'm talking, sir, I'm talking. It's, it's really terrible. Here is Taibbi after being called a, uh, a so-called journalist. Uh, ranking member Plaskett, um, I'm not a so-called journalist. Uh, I've won the National Magazine Award, the I.F. Stone Award for Independent Journalism, and I've written 10 books, including four New York Times, New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> and, and there she is busily talking to her aide, of course. Then, of course, Plaskett didn't stop there. She accused these journalists of facilitating murder. Not kidding. And following the Daily Mail's decision to publish where I live, ultimately I had to leave my home and sell it. Those are the consequences for this type of online harassment and speech. Mr. Chairman, I'm not exaggerating when, when I say that you have called before you two witnesses who pose a direct threat to people who oppose them. It's funny when people have to go through that. Crazy exactly. This is unacceptable. I'm ready for it. I don't know if a lot of other people are, but just as it was unacceptable for Kevin McCarthy to provide 41,000 hours of sensitive security footage to a biased talking head in an effort to rewrite what happened on January 6th. This is a new Republican playbook, apparently. Risk American safety and security to score political points. Yeah, so apparently the, the new Republican playbook or conservative playbook is reveal things. It's amazing how angry they are that a thing was revealed. Why? Because whenever the systems of power are threatened, they get very, very upset. If the transparency threatens you, you're the problem. If the transparency is the real threat to you, that is the the real problem here. If you're a governmental, uh, you're a governmental body, okay? We're not talking about your privacy as an individual citizen. We're not talking about somebody revealing your phone calls. We're not talking about somebody reading your diary. We're not talking about somebody going into your business files. We are talking about actual governmental influence on how these things work. And you as a governmental member are saying that the revelation to the public of, of information they are owed. So you're not owed the information about your neighbor. You're not owed the, the information about your neighbor's business. What you are owed is transparency into the things that you pay for. If you tax me using the power of the federal government and then use that federal government taxpayer money in order to cram down a particular vision of the universe via big tech, Yes, that is relevant to me. Yes, it is relevant. 41,000 hours of footage that you would not reveal that yesterday, Democratic Congress people said they were not even given access to. Only their staffers hired from like ABC were given access to it. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And I'm old enough to remember 
when people attacking the press the way Democrats were, that was a democracy dies in darkness moment. That was Donald Trump threatening First Amendment freedoms. That was the incipient authoritarianism and fascism. The attacks on Schellenberger and Taibbi yesterday were astonishing, and they didn't stop there. We'll get to more on that in a second. First, if you run a small business, you do need to plan ahead. One of the best ways to do that is by using stamps.com to mail and ship. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office. It's ready to go in mere minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off the USPS and UPS. Plus, they automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable to over 1 million businesses. Get access to the shipping services you need to run your business right from your computer. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. You can print postage wherever you do business. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get started. Here at Daily Wire, we don't like wasting our time, which is why we've been using Stamps.com since 2017. They make it super simple. And I like the post office, too. But I'm not going to stand for hours in line at the post office or schlep all the boxes the Daily Wire has to send to the post office. That'd be a foolish move. Instead, we use Stamps.com. Set your business up for success by getting started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer. It includes a four-week trial, free postage, free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Great deal. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, Enter code Shapiro. Okay, so this hearing continued, this subcommittee hearing on the weaponization of government. And just to prove that weaponization of government is not real, Democrats weaponized government against journalists. It seems to be a pretty good way to put this. The most egregious performer wasn't even Stacey Plaskett, who was awful yesterday. It was Debbie Wasserman Schultz, former head of the Democratic National Committee and still representative from Florida. She tried to claim yesterday that Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger are bad journalists because they make a living, which raises the question as to don't journalists from other outlets make a living? Are we now to believe that the way that we gauge a journalist is whether they operate in the nonprofit space or whether they are poor? I'm, I'm confused. So if you run a story and people want to read the story, then apparently that's bad journalism. If you run a story and nobody reads the story, then that's good journalism. Like there's no logic to this. This is just Wasserman Schultz trying to throw mud at a couple of journalists she doesn't like. Elon Musk spoon-fed you his cherry-picked information which you must have suspected promotes a slanted viewpoint or at the very least generates another right-wing conspiracy theory. You violated your own standard and you appear to have benefited from it. Before the release of emails in, of the emails in August of last year, you had 661,000 Twitter followers. After the Twitter files, your followers doubled and now it's three times what it was last August. I imagine your Substack readership, which is a subscription, increased significantly because of the work that you did for Elon Musk. Now, I'm not asking you to put a dollar figure on it, but it's quite obvious that you've profited from the Twitter files. You hit the jackpot on that Vegas slot machine to which you referred. This is so disgusting. It's so disgusting. So in other words, the New York Times, which won Pulitzer Prizes on the basis of a bunch of reports about a Russian collusion scandal that did not exist. You think they gained subscribers based on that? You think? I, I think they probably did. In fact, I know they did because they reveal their subscriber statistics every so often. Do, do you think that when Democrats break a big story in the media about Republicans, that they make money off of that? I think they probably do. As it turns out, you know who's made an entire living off of like one story? Bob Woodward, right? Bob Woodward has made an entire living off of one story that ran in the 1970s. Is that, does that make him a bad journalist because he made money off of that story? It turns out that when people want to pay you to do things, that's typically a reminder that the story is kind of important, actually. It's a pretty good gauge of the market's interest in the things that you have to say. But according to Debbie Wasserman Schultz, if Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger are more famous now than they were before they revealed the story, this makes them bad, which is weird because it's been true of literally every journalist for literally all of human history, that you make more prominent splashes when you break bigger stories. But somebody 
somebody alarm, sound the alarm, guys. I mean, we, we've, we've stumbled upon a corrupt relationship where in journalists who break big stories become more famous. Somebody, somebody get Upton Sinclair on the phone. Uh, please, so, uh, we, we need Ida Tarbell on the phone, right? Like, come on, this has been true forever. But here she is, she, she's, they're bad, they're bad. And meanwhile, one of my favorite things here is, um, is the fact that not only are the Democrats on this particular subcommittee really venal and attempting to attack the press in ways that, again, if Republicans did it, would be seen as full-scale attacks on the press. They also just happen to be unbelievably ignorant. So Sylvia Garcia, who we saw a moment ago being foolish, well, she is, um, her foolishness really knows very few bounds. My favorite part, I'm not sure which clip I like better here. We're going to play two, and then we're going to decide which one we like better. So the first one is where she is talking about how Matt Taibbi has a Substack. Now, for those who are not informed, a Substack is basically like a paid newsletter that you can access online. So if I have a Substack, I write a piece, you pay for a subscription, and I can read the piece. That's all a Substack is. She has no idea what it is. She doesn't even know what, what a internet is. What is a internet? What is this thing that you type on? Is it a computer? How is it pronounced? Here is a, a honest-to-God representative in the United States Congress. Yet you yourself posted on your, your um, I guess it's kind of like a web page. I don't quite understand what Substack is, but. Well, yeah, I guess you can admit that out loud. That wasn't, that wasn't her. Uh, you know, honestly, this next, this next one's the best. This is where she implies uh, that Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, and Barry Weiss who is a lesbian married woman, uh, are in a threesome. Yep, this is a thing that happened in Congress yesterday. It, the best part of this clip is Taibbi and Schellenberger's reactions. They're like, oh, what did you, what now? <laughs> in your discussion, in your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss. My friend, Barry Weiss. So this friend works for Twitter, or what is what is her? Um... She's a journalist, sir. I didn't ask you a question. I'm I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger a question. Please yes, ma'am. Barry Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir. She's a journalist. She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her? Um, yeah. Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk? I I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome. Um. There was many more people involved than that. <laughs> it was a journalistic orgy. There were so many people involved. It was like eyes wide shut of journalism. Oh my gosh. Good stuff there from our, from our elected Congress people. They are the best and the brightest and probably we should not have any journalistic oversight of them. Probably we should be giving them unfettered power because they are in fact the experts on policy. Speaking of people who um, apparently should be trusted on policy, the Podesta family continues to rake it in from the Chinese. It is the corrupt relationship between the Biden administration and China continues apace. So Hunter Biden obviously was picking up bags of Chinese cash while his his vice president father was squiring him around on Air Force Two and all the rest. And we're supposed to ignore that. We're supposed to ignore the 10 percent for the big guy emails. We're supposed to pretend none of that existed. None of that implicates Joe in any way. We're supposed to pretend that it, it means nothing, that the Penn Biden Center for Chinese Grift was taking in a lot of money, as it turns out, from the Chinese government, allegedly. Well, now we're supposed to ignore the fact that TikTok, which is a Chinese front organization, right? TikTok is an organization that is pretty obviously run by the Chinese government via a bunch of proxies, and they are gathering information on you. And every time they try to show they're not doing that, they tend to show that they are doing that. Well, now, according to Politico, they have hired top Biden-connected consulting firm SKDK as it faces increasing scrutiny in Washington, according to two people, including one with direct knowledge of the hire. 
the public affairs and political consulting firm, is providing communications support to the company, which has come under government scrutiny, with senators recently introducing a bipartisan bill empowering Biden to restrict or potentially ban the service. SKDK is seen as the most well-connected Democratic firm in Washington, with former top employees in senior and mid-level roles in the Biden administration. So, for example, Anita Dunn is a founding partner. She returned to the White House last May. She is a senior advisor after a stint in the early part of the Biden administration. Other former SKDK employees in the Biden administration include Deputy White House Communications Directors Kate Berner and Herbie Zeskind, Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh, Interior Department Press Secretary Tyler Cherry. So uh, that's weird. That they, I wonder why TikTok would be hiring people with deep-seated Democratic connections. SKDK happens to be like one of the most obviously Democratic lobbying firms in America. But that really shouldn't be a surprise, given the fact that, for example, it was Huawei that paid Tony Podesta, John Podesta's brother. John Podesta served in the early days of the Biden administration as the, sort of their, their helicopter money guy on green projects. Tony was paid half a million dollars to lobby the White House on behalf of Huawei, which was the Chinese tech giant that is on the U.S. trade blacklist because they've been stealing American technology for the development of, uh, of the next stage of the internet, like Internet 3.0 or whatever it is. So yeah, the, the Chinese connections to the Democratic Party and its, and its most favored players runs incredibly, incredibly deep. And in just one second, we'll get to Joe Biden's newest budget proposal, speaking of spending money on things that are just absurd. First, let's talk about how you can make your home look better. So look around your house right now. Now you got some nice furniture. Everything's kind of the feng shui is fine. But the way the light is flowing into the room, it's not the thing. It's just not working for you. What you need is better window coverings. You probably haven't thought about that in a while because who thinks about window coverings? I don't spend my days like thinking about it. But now that now that I'm saying it, you're looking around there and I'm like, okay, yeah, those, those are really dingy curtains. You need to head on over to blinds.com. Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings with over 40,000 five-star reviews. You can measure and install yourself or have blinds.com take care of it with local professionals. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many you order, installation is just one low cost. If you don't have an eye for design, blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color that's right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Save up to 50% site-wide at Blinds.com's anniversary sale, now through March 15th. It's up to 50% off at Blinds.com, custom-made, easy, since 1996. That's Blinds.com when you check out online. Don't forget to tell them you heard about Blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. That helps them, and it helps us as well. Rules and restrictions may apply. Also, a lot of people, especially young people, are struggling right now because they don't actually have a plan for their lives. They feel overwhelmed when they try to confront the future. But you can't confront the future if you don't start with the present. And you can't get a handle on the big picture if you don't start small. Jordan Peterson goes into this in great detail in his brand new five-part series, Vision and Destiny, on Daily Wire Plus. Here's a clip talking about starting small. Hey, that's your life, man. The things you do every day. Get those things right. And then you can worry about exceptions, vacations, and so forth, adventures, and all that. But man, you want to get what iterates right. That stabilizes you, and that's so helpful. And it, you can really do it by concentrating. You can say, well, you can go, go into your room, the, your bedroom, and look. Just sit on your bed and look around. You think, okay, what bugs me about this room? And then you think, oh, well, there's, you know, a pile of socks over there, and Oh, God, I haven't looked at those pieces of paper on that desk for like a year. And uh, I don't know what's wrong with that corner, but there's spider webs everywhere. No one's paid any attention to whatever the hell's over there for quite a while. And, you know, there's some stain on the ceiling and the wallpaper's peeling there. You can see it's like, well, what's wrong with this room? Well, how is it not optimal? And it's kind of ugly. It's kind of outdated and it's kind of tasteless and it's in disarray. It's like, that's your life, man, right there in your room. It's like, well... 
fix one of those things. And then you can ask yourself, well, if I had to leave this room having fixed one of those things in some micro manner, what could I do that I would do? And then do that in your whole life. That is exactly right. And Jordan is famous for trying to boil down very, very big ideas into small incremental steps to make your life better. You can live that life if you view things like Vision and Destiny. The fourth episode of Vision and Destiny is out right now. New episodes are releasing every single week. It's all exclusive for Daily Wire Plus members. Join right now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Vision and Destiny. Also, this Sunday, you're going to want to stay tuned for the Sunday special. My friend and former adversary, Piers Morgan, joined me. It's a fascinating conversation. Here's a little bit of what it sounds like. I had an editor of my first paper, The Sun in London, called Kelvin McKenzie. And he said to me that the, recently, the single most annoying thing about you was I used to scream at you when you got something badly wrong. And he said, you just suck it up. And then an hour later, you bounce into my office with a big grin on your face with a scoop that you got. And that was how you always responded. And he said, it, it, on one level, I admired it. Another level, I hated you because I couldn't break you. And I was really pleased with that. Of all the things anyone's ever said about me, I would say that is probably my, the best trait that I have, is the ability to bounce back. It's a great Sunday special. We go through everything from American politics to British politics to sort of what it is to be in the limelight on a constant basis. So I think revelatory and really interesting. You're going to want to listen to the Sunday special and go check it out. It should be on our feed on Sunday. It'll also be available in full over at Daily Wire Plus. There's always a, a special member section of the Sunday special. So make sure that you become a Daily Wire Plus member so you can actually see that as well. It's a great episode. I look forward to sharing it with you. Well, meanwhile, Joe Biden has now unleashed his latest budget blueprint. It involves $6.9 trillion dollars of spending. $6.9 trillion of spending. He says, by the way, that it's going to reduce the deficit. The way he says it's going to reduce the deficit is he's going to radically increase taxes. He would make the tax rate on wealthy Americans the highest since the 1980s. He'd raise the overall tax rate to about 44% on the people who earn the most income in the United States, which is an extraordinary amount of money, especially if you are living in a place like California or New York that also has a high state tax. In California, the highest rate of state tax, which is 12, I think it's 12% now. Add that on top and you could be theoretically paying 56% of your incremental income to the federal government, which for California and the federal government might mean any dollar you make over $400,000 in a place like California. That means that you make 44 cents on every one of those. That can't hurt the economy at all. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. We'll just siphon off all the money from the people who actually reinvest that money in goods and services at the highest rate. That's, that's exactly what we will do. Genius level stuff here from the Biden administration. So what exactly is in this budget blueprint? Well, again, the budget outline calls for Congress to approve $1.7 trillion in discretionary federal spending next year, including $885 billion for defense and $809 billion for non-defense and veterans health programs. The overall budget would cost $6.9 trillion as an increase over the roughly $6.4 trillion the administration expects the federal government to spend in 2023. Then they say, don't worry, because we're going to cut deficits by $3 trillion over the next decade. Now, understand, when they say cut deficits, they don't mean cut the debt. What they mean is that future growth of, of deficits will be slightly lower than it overall would be. So, for example, this is a chart from the Washington Post showing what the budget deficit would look like under the current projection by the Biden administration and what it would look like with the president's budget. As you will note, the budget deficit, this is year on year budget deficit, is still extraordinary with the president's budget. Okay, so, again, the, if you can't see this chart, what it shows you is year on year what the deficit would be. And essentially, with the president's budget, it means 
that until 2033 or 2034, according to this particular outline, even including Joe Biden's budget, because he's just going to keep spending until the end of time, right? That's what his budget assumes. Unlimited spending forever. The suggestion is that we are going to have a budget deficit of at least $1.5 trillion every year from now all the way until 2034, by which point the budget deficit will actually be $2 trillion. And he's saying that that's reducing the deficit because the projected deficit before the president's budget would be like slightly higher, like somewhat slightly, a few hundred billion dollars higher per year. But the president is going to tax the living crap out of all of you and spend unlimited amounts of money. And then he's going to claim that he's a a deficit reducer. It's just the biggest lie in American politics. This guy gives a damn about bringing together the amount of money we are spending and the amount of money that we are bringing into the federal government. Nobody wants to balance the budget, not on the right, no, no one on the left. The difference is that the left wants to spend unlimited and copious amounts of money while siphoning an incredible amount of money out of the American economy in order to pay for their idiotic schemes, which is really what this is. A lot of their a lot of their schemes are, are lies. The White House says the budget will outline a plan requiring insurance companies that run Medicaid managed care programs pay back Medicaid if the companies charge more than the cost of patient care, which, of course, undermines the, the actual way that the healthcare system runs. They're just trying to grab money out of that and pretend that that has no impact on anything, which, of course, is not how any of these programs actually work. Also, Biden wants to empower Medicare to negotiate how much it pays for certain high priced prescription drugs, which means that either R&D stops in the United States or it means that everybody stops taking Medicare or it means that the entire private industry is now has to bear the burden of the high cost, which then is used by the federal government as an excuse for more government regulation. Make things more expensive and more difficult. And then the federal government says, now that we've made things more expensive and more difficult, we need to come in and fix the problem. So this is their plan. They also plan to expand spending on climate. Great. And that's definitely what we need. Mitt Romney says, this is not going to happen. Obviously, he knows that. Republicans are not going to sign up for raising taxes. His budget would reprise a series of tax increases the administration couldn't get through the last Congress, which was controlled by Democrats. So you'll notice that he didn't propose a lot of these things when Democrats were actually in charge because that would have meant the Democrats rejected it. So he's putting this up there so Republicans will knock it down and then he can claim that it's they're, they're doing tax cuts for the wealthy or whatever his nonsense pitch is. Again, this, this budget is ridiculous. Biden is proposing raising the top individual tax rate to 39, from 37% to 39.6%, raising the corporate tax rate to 28% from 21%, which is insane. That's, a, that's an insanely high corporate tax rate. Because remember, that means that your corporation gets taxed at 28% before it pays you. Then it pays you and then you get and then you get taxed at a higher rate. He also wants to tax top earners' capital gains at a higher rate and increase taxes on U.S. companies' foreign profits to 21% from 10.5% because no one will take advantage of that. He called to extend some of the Trump tax cuts. Remember those Trump tax cuts that supposedly benefited only the wealthy? He wants to now extend them. So it shows that he was lying about that in the first place. He also wants to raise existing taxes on wages, self-employment income, and investments to 5% from 3.8%, and then expand those taxes to cover active business income. And he wants a 15% budget increase to the IRS. Uh, None of this stuff is going to pass. And none of this is going to solve any of the underlying problems with the the massive social spending that we have been doing, these these huge mandatory spending programs that we put in place and that will bankrupt the country. He's not actually going to be able to get any of this through. It's all about posturing that he is capable of providing you everything in the middle of a massive inflationary cycle that's about to collapse into a stagnation, an economic stagnation cycle. Joe Biden yesterday talked about increasing his budget. And the world's getting a hell of a lot more complicated. 
and a hell of a lot more complicated. So I've increased my budget. We increase it now, as I said. We're making a, we're we're paying an, another eight hundred twenty dollars to help people from families with low incomes. Oh, so uh, the world is getting more complicated, so we spend more money, and then the world gets more complicated, so we spend more money, and then it gets a little more complicated, so we spend more money. So if the world got simpler, would you spend less money? And what would you define as the world getting simpler at this point? I mean, he himself is simple. My favorite quote from Joe Biden yesterday is he, he admitted that he has been around for 400 years. And I can honestly say I have never been more optimistic about America's future than I am today. I mean that sincerely. As you can tell, I've only been around a few years, <laughs> like 400. You know, uh, honestly, that's the most charming thing Joe Biden has said since at least 1812. So that's you know, good, good for him for acknowledging the, the simple fact. Of the matter. Well, look, Joe Biden also, he just has to lie on everything. So yesterday, he also suggested that Republicans want to defund the police so he can run away from his own crime record. It's, it's, all, it's all just a bag of garbage. And that's why he's not running very well in the polls. He's still at the low 40s. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police department and defunding the FBI now. That's a good one. I like that one. Well, guess what? And they refuse to provide funding that's going to keep communities safe and secure. So now Republicans are the ones who are into defunding the police, which is weird because your DOJ literally is cramming consent decrees down on major American city police departments everywhere. And you yourself had to allow the federal government to re-seize control over crime policy in the District of Columbia, which is run by Democrats. Look, Joe Biden is insanely vulnerable right now. If you look at Joe Biden's approval ratings, his approval ratings remain absolutely stagnant. They are, they are not, for all the talk about Joe Biden being just amazing and, and people loving Joe Biden, this is not true. There is no evidence whatsoever that people love Joe Biden. It's just that there hasn't been an election lately. So that means that, that Joe Biden continues to maintain the presidency, but his approval ratings are like, according to the Real Clear Politics polling average, they're the highest they've been in about a year, two years maybe, which means that they're at 44%. This is not a dude who is riding, riding particularly high and it's going to get a lot worse for him as time goes on because the economic consequences of his own bad policies have not yet come home to roost, which means that he's vulnerable, which raises the question of what's going to happen on the other side of the aisle. So we move over to the 2024 Republican candidates. The big story that Democrats are glomming onto today is this notion that Donald Trump is about to be criminally charged in Manhattan. According to the New York Times, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office recently signaled to Trump's lawyers he could face criminal charges for his role in the payment of hush money to Stormy Daniels, the strongest indication yet that prosecutors are nearing an indictment of the former president, according to four people with knowledge of the matter. Now, again, all of this sounds like Lucy with the football. How many times have we heard before that they are just, they're on the verge of getting Trump. They're going to get him this time. Now's the time they arrest him and they drag him off. That They're going to call the, the chief marshal of the Supreme Court. He's going to drag him away and they're going to frog march that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. According to the New York Times, the prosecutors offered Trump the chance to testify next week before the grand jury that has been hearing evidence in the potential case. Such offers almost always indicate that an indictment is closed. In New York, potential defendants have the right to answer questions in the grand jury before indictment. So this apparent, apparently this particular case is about a $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels, who said she had an affair with Trump. The payment was made in the final days of the 2016 presidential campaign by Michael Cohen, who is Trump's former fixer, who's later reimbursed by Trump from the White House. Cohen, who's long said that Trump directed him to pay Daniels to keep her quiet, is expected to testify. The basic idea here is that he violated campaign finance law. 
so this is like an Al Capone thing. Oh, we, we hate you for all these other reasons, but it's really that you violated the, the campaign finance law. Sure. You know, wake, wake, me, wake, wake me when you actually do something, guys. Uh, your, your desperate attempts to prosecute the former president. So far, they've come to naught. And every time you suggest that you've got the guy, not even close, it turns out. It turns out that you're fabricating stuff or you're exaggerating stuff or you're pretending that he's a grand threat to national security when he's not. All of the Mar-a-Lago classified documents. And then it turns out that Joe Biden has a bunch in his basement and in his garage. The media love this sort of stuff because it allows them to sell newspapers, but it ain't it ain't real until it's real. Okay. Meanwhile, other Republican candidates. So there's a lot of talk about Ron DeSantis jumping in. Well, until he jumps in, he hasn't jumped in. He is in fact visiting Iowa right now. I think that the generalized assumption is that he probably will jump in sometime in June. The latest legislative session in in Florida ends in May. DeSantis's latest book, his his new kind of memoir slash political manifesto. That thing has outsold both Obama's and Trump's in terms of their, their book right before they ran for president. The, those are very, very big numbers. And there's a pro-DeSantis pact that announced its formation on Thursday. It's said by Ken Cuccinelli, the former director of Citizenship and Immigration Services during the Trump administration. It's called Never Back Down. Now, of course, DeSantis isn't allowed by law to actually coordinate with the PAC, so it's urging him to run. But I, listen, again, I think the generalized assumption that DeSantis is going to run is probably correct. I'd be shocked if, if Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, does not run at this point. And he's widely perceived to be the chief threat to Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. One other candidate who has been discussed is Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin is the, the man who won a surprise gubernatorial victory over Terry McAuliffe, the former head of the DNC and former governor of Virginia. That was a race that was very much affected by arguments over critical race theory and transgender bathrooms and the culture war issues the Democrats had basically decided to declare. Terry McAuliffe famously dropped one of the worst gaffes in human history in the middle of that campaign when he said that parents should not have the right to control their children's education. That was about the experts in the teachers unions doing it. And so Youngkin sailed in. And right now, Glenn Youngkin is doing a really good job. He's, he's got a, a mid-50s approval rating in the state of Virginia. Yesterday, he made a big boo-boo. His big boo-boo is do not do town halls on CNN. So this is one area where, again, DeSantis is, I think, really disciplined. He, he's got his team basically rejecting nearly all media requests from people he perceives to be opposition media. And what, what we mean by that is just media who are designed, who are out there to get him. Why would I go on TV so that you can ask me some sort of gotcha question and not let me answer the question? Glenn Youngkin is attempting to appear moderate. And so he goes on CNN with Jake Tapper and it ends precisely as you would think. It ends with Glenn Youngkin being asked a bunch of extraordinarily biased questions designed to wrongfoot him. That's, that's what it was. Now, you've never seen anything like this with a Democrat on CNN. Whenever a Democrat goes on CNN, it's basically, how, how loving are you? How wonderful are you? Can you just tell us, does, do you make the sun shine or does it shine all by itself just, just with those rays upon your face? That's usually how CNN treats a Democrat. The way they treat Republicans is like, when did you last beat your wife? So more fool Glenn Youngkin for even bothering to go on a CNN town hall. I've never seen a CNN town hall that did not end with the moderator of the CNN town hall basically attempting to stomp all over the Republican candidate. That goes all the way back to the Parkland massacre when CNN did an egregious town hall accusing Republican politicians of being responsible for the Parkland massacre, culminating in students from Parkland yelling at sitting United States senators on stage. So CNN, again, fact, for Republican candidates, do not go to places that are designed to destroy you. Don't do it unless you have an active plan as to how you're going to fight back. You have to plan for these things. And Republicans keep assuming that the media are going to act in good faith, and they, they aren't. They're not interested in acting in good faith. So here, for example, was Glenn Youngkin being asked about schools and education. 
This is a chance to make sure that we're not pitting our children against one another based on race or religion or their sex, but yeah. teaching all history, the good and the bad. So let me just ask you one more follow-up on that, which is what do you say to a teacher who wants to teach any one of any number of scholars who say that the condition of black Americans today can be traced all the way back to Fort Monroe in 1619. That it's not as if every generation is just brought, for, brought forth new, uh, that there, there were hundreds of years of slavery, a hundred years of Jim Crow, and today is part of that. Yeah, well, I, 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 first of all, we must step back and teach all of that. And then we have to recognize where we are today. Okay, so again, that question is straight from the mouth of Nicole Hannah-Jones. Hannah I mean, that's, that's exactly what that is. That, that is and, and it's also a conflation of two arguments, right? It's a conflation of one argument, which is that the past has consequences, which is obviously true, with critical race theory, which teaches that the systems of the United States today are inherently perverse because they are rooted in exploitation and slavery. That's the actual argument of the 1619 Project, is that the center of American history lies around exploitation. It does not lie around freedom. Glenn Youngkin didn't know how to answer that question because he hadn't prepped for that question in an appropriate way. And the way the question was asked was incredibly biased. And making that distinction is really important, but he couldn't do it because, again, I think he was expecting sort of a good faith conversation that didn't that, that never happens on on CNN. Here was Jake Tapper, who's promoting gun control with Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. What about individuals who say there are laws that could help law enforcement keep guns out of the hands of people who would use them for harm? You could strengthen the red flag laws in Virginia. You could require by law parents to lock their guns either in safes or with trigger locks. And that would keep a six-year-old from being able, much less two six-year-olds, from being able to, to get guns to bring them to school. Would you ever contemplate anything like that? Well, let me, let me repeat. Um, yeah. As I said, Virginia has some of the toughest gun laws in the nation. And we have red flag laws. And we have requirements that parents keep guns out of the hands of young children. You know, again, every question is designed to elicit a particular Democrat response because these are questions that are oriented from the left. And I, I like Jake Tapper very often, but not here. I mean, I think that his, the, the questions here are, are quite biased. And then, of course, CNN, does, that's they always do. They go to the crowd. And who's in the crowd but a trans youth, a trans person, which is, in this particular case, a, a trans man, meaning a woman, who believes she's a man, saying that uh, that that this person should be able to use the bathroom of their choosing. And why are you so mean, Glenn Youngkin? Uh, Governor Youngkin, your transgender model policies would require that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? So I think the girls in my high school, be, so, so the idea is that now you care about the girls in your high school sharing a restroom? Like, is that going to be the adjudicatory standard? Seriously, is the adjudicatory standard going to be what the other people in the restroom are comfortable doing? Because then every single trans woman is going to be banned from the female restroom. Again, there, there's no logic to this, but the, the entire idea of the CNN town halls is what if we confront you with a victim of your evil policies if you're a Republican? And then if you're a Democrat, what if we confront you with a victim of Republicans' evil policies if you're a Democrat? The same exact thing. Like why Glenn Youngkin would put himself out there for this is beyond me. I don't understand it. Treat the media the way they ought to be treated. As partisan advocates of a particular point of view, and unless you've got a plan walking in, don't walk in in the first place. Lesson to all Republican candidates moving forward. Meanwhile, the radicalism of the left on the trans issue continues apace. Governor T. 
Tim Walls of Minnesota has now signed an executive order that, quote unquote, protects gender affirming health care access in Minnesota. He says, in this state, hate has no home. In this state, love and acceptance is what we preach, and we will live by that. Love and acceptance apparently means allowing the mutilation of small children. The order comes as the DFL-led legislature is considering a similar measure, trans refuge legislation, as it is known, designed to shield patients, providers, and families from out-of-state legal action. So in, in other words, mom wants to trans the kid, and dad doesn't. So mom grabs the kid, goes over to Minnesota, and transes the kid. Does dad have any rights at all? Minnesota is attempting to say no. You don't have any rights at all because the simple fact of the matter is that kids need to be trans. It is good to have kids trans. So Governor Walls hosted at this signing ceremony, parents of a trans youth, okay? And uh, this particular trans youth is a six-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy who's been treating as a, tr being treated as a girl by his parents. The vile child abuse that this represents cannot be overstated. Here we go. My partner Gretchen and I are here today because we are parents um, of a trans child. Their child is six years old, and she was as excited to be at a boring capital on spring break as any six-year-old kid could be. <laughs> Squirming and fidgeting her way through speeches, hardly aware her existence as why her parents drove five hours today to speak publicly. It's 100% it's personal. I mean, the, the safety... The, the happiness of, of our child is, 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 it couldn't be more personal. Asher, why are we here today? Uh, for trans rights. For her rights to be her. The media coverage, it's, I'm sorry, it's so horrifying. It's truly horrifying. For her right to be, she's, she is a he. He is a six-year-old child. His parents are abusing him. They're, they're attempting to, quote-unquote, transition a six-year-old into a member of the opposite sex, a thing that cannot happen, biologically speaking. They're condemning their child to a life of confusion and chaos. And the media are saying, her right to be her. Okay, first of all, let's start with this. Name another right that six-year-olds have, except for avoiding child abuse. Like, really, name other rights that six-year-olds have, except for avoiding abuse by their elders, which is what you are seeing here. And then being trotted out at a podium of the governor of Minnesota. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. You have this, this confused six-year-old kid saying, knowing what he is supposed to be saying, right? Trans, I'm here for trans. That's a six-year-old kid. I have a six-year-old. Do you know what six-year-olds are? They are confused people who do not have any roles, rules, and standards. It is your job to, to, to guide a six-year-old, right? To be who you are, uh, the media. They, man, I, I, it is hard to imagine a time in human history when the mainstreaming of absolute child abuse has become like a moral imperative. Amazing, amazing stuff. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So this is an actual scientific discovery, scientific progress. We like it. It's a good thing. Apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, scientists now say they've produced the first commercially accessible material that eliminates the loss of energy as electricity moves along a wire. That is a massive breakthrough. It could mean longer lasting batteries, more efficient power grids, and improved high-speed trains. Materials that conduct electric currents without any loss, these are superconductors, have been wildly impractical because they need to be really, really cooled to around 320 degrees Fahrenheit and then subjected to extreme pressure to work because typically as electricity goes across the line, it loses some of its power. A group of researchers at the University of Rochester report they have created a new superconductor that can operate at room temperature and much lower pressure than previously discovered superconducting materials. The breakthrough has the potential to create lossless electrical grids, better and cheaper magnets for use in future nuclear fusion reactors, among other things. 
which is going to be like an amazingly powerful thing. If you have if you have better superconductors, it's going to make virtually all technologies more efficient, including, by the way, how much power has to be generated in order to go through the grid, because if it doesn't lose electricity going through the grid, then obviously you don't have to generate as much upfront. It's going to have environmental impact. And the, if you wish to make the environment better, what you need is more innovation. Innovation is going to be the solution to virtually all human problems in terms of material lack. The solution is not going to be government mandates and redistributionism. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez yesterday, she, uh, she had a hell of a quote. So she was upset because the Republicans have been focusing in on the problem of wokeness. And so she decided to play face tattoo syndrome. Ah, one of our favorite games, face tattoo syndrome. This is where a person who advocates for a policy that is deliberately provocative provokes attention. And then the minute you pay attention to them, they're like, this face tattoo, what are you even looking at? What are you even looking at? How dare you? How dare you treat me as a person? Why, why are we focusing on this? This thing right here, this giant face tattoo that goes right around my eye. Why are you even looking at it? This is what AOC does. So AOC is a, devote, a pure devotee of the woke catechism. She loves wokeness like very few other things. She is, she is the wokest of the woke. But the minute the Republicans focus in on wokeness, she's like, why aren't we talking about train derailments in Ohio? Why? Explain. So first of all, I noticed that Republicans have been talking a lot about train derailments in Ohio because it was Democrats who were like Pete Buttigieg who didn't visit for three weeks and Joe Biden who still has not visited. So I may have missed the part where Republicans are not talking about the train derailment in Ohio. But AOC's like, stop talking about wokeness. Stop it. Why are you even talking? It's not even relevant anymore until tomorrow when she decides it's relevant again. We're all supposed to play follow the bouncing ball here with AOC. I have no uh, I, I have no qualms with this committee working hard. I have no qualms with this committee uh, doing everything that it can. But I think we need to have a conversation about priorities here. Um, we're having a hearing right now, and it's about what the that the federal government is too woke. I can't help but communicate that I find frustrating is that there are actual crises happening in this country. A couple weeks ago, there was a devastating, devastating derailment in, in East Palestine, Ohio. Oh, now you guys are going to talk about it. Weird. Very weird. So literally the many guys get called on Joe Biden's crap equity policy. You're like, huh, you know what? We need to be talking about that train derailment. And we're, oh, now, shot, now you want to talk about it? I mean, okay, I guess we can. But I noticed that you were perfectly happy to push wokeness until somebody noticed, at which point we played the game of it's not happening and it's good that it is. And also we shouldn't talk about it ever again. No, we should, we should probably talk about it. It's probably important to talk about it. She said, quote, there's no definition of what woke is. But on paper, what's actually being criticized in this hearing is that, is that the so-called woke policies are remote work for federal workers, especially those who live in rural areas and those who have disabilities. Paying interns the critical opportunities don't just go to privileged kids whose parents can afford to pay for their rent while they go on a free internship. That is what is woke here. That is what the other side is calling woke here. No, that is not what the other side is calling woke. What the other side is calling woke is the attempt to inject equity provisions into every area of the federal government, including employment via the Office of Personnel Management. That is what the other side is calling woke. But if you mischaracterize it and you lie about it, and then you say we should focus on trains, then maybe everybody will, uh, will just be distracted for long enough. Okay, meanwhile, one other thing that I hate. So uh, RuPaul, world's most important human, has now spoken out against legislation in states like Tennessee that ban drag shows for children. Now, you might ask yourself, why is it important for children to see drag shows? 
You might ask yourself that question because it's a, a good question. Why is it important to see, for small children, to see men gallivanting around in skimpy outfits pretending to be women in the most stereotypically disgusting ways? Why is that really super important? Why? You might ask yourself that. Well, RuPaul is here to tell you as a proud man who dresses as a woman. Hey, look over there. A classic distraction technique. Distracting us away from the real issues that they were voted into office to focus on. Jobs, health care, keeping our children safe from harm at their own school. But we know that bullies are incompetent at solving real issues. They look for easy targets so they can give the impression of being effective. They think our love, our light, our laughter, and our joy are signs of weakness. But they're wrong because that is our strength. Drag queens are the Marines of the queer movement. Don't get it twisted and don't be distracted. Register to vote so we can get these stunt queens out of office and put some smart people with real solutions into government. Okay, so first of all, the bizarrely hypnotic quality of this video in which the American flag shrinks in the background and goes like, that's what the entire video is. If you can't actually see right now, RuPaul is sitting in front of an American flag that is bizarrely zooming in and out behind him. It's very strange. But I think you gave away the game when you said that drag queens are the Marines of the queer movement. I think you gave, you, you kind of said the, the quiet part out loud. Why are you sending the Marines of the queer movement to the children? Why? Real question. Explain. Explain. And then, of course, same game, face tattoo syndrome. It's a classic distraction to pay attention that you're sending the queer Marines to the kids. If you pay attention to us sending the, quote, Marines of the queer movement to the small children, if you pay attention to that, well, that's a classic distraction technique, says RuPaul. Amazing, amazing stuff. Really amazing stuff. But, but typical, fully typical. You're not supposed to pay attention to what they're doing. If you do pay attention to what they're doing, it's not happening. It's a classic distraction technique to pay attention to the thing that they are doing. And also, it's good that they're doing it, according to them. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. If you want your questions answered in the vaunted Ben Shapiro Show mailbag, then you must become a member. Become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout. Get two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 